Welcome to this week's podcast of Bergen Park Church from Evergreen, Colorado. We hope you enjoy this message, and if you'd like to hear any more or learn more about the church, please visit bergenparkchurch.org. It's good to have you guys here. Uh, yeah, if you want to grab a Bible, we're going to be in First John chapter 4. Oh, I know what I was thinking. Um, we want to thank our volunteers. One of the reasons that we have one service today and we don't have any kids programs is we have a lot of servants that cover a lot of things in the church. Some of you are here right now and maybe you serve in security or you help with coffee or help with kids or you help uh, with everything. And we want to thank you for the impact and the sacrifice you make. So we wanted to make room for some of our servants to kind of have some time just to be here. They're probably not here today because they're resting. I don't know if you're here, but uh, can we give them a round of applause and thank... You know, it takes a lot of people for me just to get up here and do what I do. And so thank you. Um, thank you for that, that work. Hey, let's turn to uh, 1 John 4. And the message today, as I was thinking about, is really simple. And yet, simple can be profound. And it's the message that God, God loves you. I don't know how that hits you. But can we sit there? God, God loves you. And now let's go into 1 John 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 7 as John unpacks what that means. What does that look like? How do I, how do I know that? So 1 John chapter 4 in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us. His love is perfected in us. This is the word of the Lord. All thanks be to God. I pray for you. Would you pray for me? Father, just thank you for these words. And I confess, Father, I thought the message was too simple. But that's where it's profound because... The love of God for us is, maybe for some of us, we, we expect it, but it's unexpected in the way it shows up in our lives. And I pray this morning it might, your love might show up in an unexpected way. And I pray for those that are even, when we say that, they're guarding their heart right now. You can feel it. I don't want to receive the love of God. Father, would you break into our hearts and would you settle our minds? Would we sit in the love of God this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. So over the Advent season, I've read a number of devotionals. I don't tend to like a lot of stories. I'm more of a logic guy. I like logical connections and relationships. But as I was reading these Advent devotionals, uh, a few of these stories really spoke to me. And one was about a mother 
who's having a really difficult time getting connected to the whole Christmas season. I imagine she was carrying a lot for her family. Anybody feel that? You carry a lot for your family into Christmas and all that you have to prepare and do. And she was carrying a lot. And I think there were a lot of struggles and crises in her life. And she just couldn't get there. She's going to church, you know, music was playing, people were happy, and she wasn't happy and was feeling heavy. And that day, that particular day, she had to go to her son's um, public school Christmas pageant and she didn't want to go because she knew she didn't need Frosty the Snowman or I wish you a Merry Christmas. And, but she loves her son and she loves the school. So she went and she found her seat among the other parents in the auditorium slash cafeteria, if you've been there. And then the pageant, the program began and the first song was entitled, and if you can put that up on the screen, Christmas Love. And each one of the children, they had a sign in their hand, a a cardboard sign. And as the song began to progress, what they would do is they would turn over the sign. And on that sign was a letter. And so the first letter was obviously C that they made. This boy made an art class, right? And so he, as they're singing the song, they turn over the C. And then the next person turns over the H. And it was kind of going down the row until it got to the M. And this little girl, instead of turning it down, you know, she flipped it up. And so instead of an M, it was, it was a W. And some of the kids in the room started snickering. Nobody realized the mistake she had made and where it would go. And so the kids just continued to sing and on down the line and on down the line. And as this mother was enjoying, I guess, trying to get into this program, then it got to the final E. Yeah, that's what I was waiting for, love. She saw it. She saw it. And in that moment, her heart just began to melt. That for whatever reason, the message of God's love in the simplicity of a child's mistake broke her heart open. And in that moment, she felt loved. Have you had that encounter with God? Unexpected, simple, But God shows up and the truth of God's love is not a theological concept. It's an experience. It's a reality in our life. And we hear that, you know, the Bible says over and over, it talks about the love of God. Even in the Old Testament, I know some of you may wrestle and think the Old Testament's different than the New Testament. But no, the God of the Old Testament is is a God of love. We see it on, on every page. There's... Passages like Zephaniah 3, and I'm sure many of you spend time in Zephaniah. It's one of those. But Zephaniah 3, I love the language that Zephaniah describes the love of God. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. That phrase hit me this week, he will quiet you with his love. It's that image of a child who's afraid. And maybe you've cared for a child in this way and they come to you, right? And what do you do? Your comfort, it quiets the fear, the anxiety. And that is a picture of our father's love. 
that as we come to him, his love has this effect that it quiets us, it settles us, it puts us in a place of security. We see it in the Old Testament. Obviously, we see the love of God in the New Testament for God so loved the world that he sent. That God's love is a giving love, his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but instead have everlasting life. So, we already read the passage. We didn't read the passage, did we? Did we? No, we did? Okay, thanks, guys. I don't know if you realize this is in between <laughs> Christmas Eve and whatever's coming, so I'm trying to catch up with my brain. So anyway, yeah, we read the passage. Yeah, we did. You guys loved that. And we prayed too. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. I'm, I'm caught up now. I'm, I'm caught up. <laughs> oh, man. And then Romans 8, Romans 5, 8 says this. But God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so over and over and over again, we see this theme of the love of God. And the love of God is not, it's not a sentiment. It's not simply a feeling. Instead, love is an aspect of God's character. And that's how John describes love in verse 8. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God. And there's that statement, because God is love. Now, love for me at times is not natural doesn't flow out of me easily. There are people to whom it's difficult to love. But see, for God, because he is love, love is, is what God does. And it flows naturally out of the heart of God. You know, I was reading again these, these stories this week, and they surveyed some kids, and they asked this question, how do you know when you're loved? And they gave, obviously, a, a lot of interesting answers. One little boy said, uh, I know my daddy loves my mommy because he will say she looks pretty even though she sometimes looks like a truck. <laughs> That's how he sees love. Or another child will say, you know, I know when somebody loves me because they give me most of their french fries and I don't give them any of mine. All of us have ways, right, in which we are loved. We have love languages that communicate love to us. And John's saying that God likewise, he demonstrates. He doesn't simply state love. He demonstrates love by sending Jesus into the world. That love, if you noticed, it's made manifest. That word means it's, it's seen. In the Old Testament, they heard of God's love. And maybe they experience moments of God's love, but John's saying in the coming of Jesus, love is fully unpacked. We see it, we experience it, we touch it. We know God loves us because Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us has come into the world. This is the love of God. And then in verses nine and 10, we come to the center of God's love. Look at verse nine, it says, in this... The love of God was made manifest, it appeared. How did it appear? That God sent his, notice, only son into the world that we might have life through him. And life is not heaven. Understand that life is today. That we might know the fullness of life. We may know what life is about by living through Jesus. And then in verse 10, he says the same thing but with different language. He says, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us 
and he sent his son as a, to be the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Love was made manifest in Jesus and in the sacrifice of Jesus for us. And so what does that love look like? I, I just want to unpack it today in three simple ways. That love pursues us, love sacrifices for us, and love endures with us. It pursues, it sacrifices, it endures. Love pursues. You know this. If you're sitting next to someone who loves you, I hope you pursue her. I hope you pursue him. I hope you pursue them. When you love somebody, what do you do? You act in loving ways. You know, for men, we'd always find ourselves in the presence of that girl that we knew where she'd be at a certain time. And it wasn't a mistake, ladies. We, we know you're going to be there. And so we find ourselves in that place so that our eyes might meet. Oh, what a coincidence. Hey, there you are. Yeah, just been here for two hours waiting. Because <laughs> love seeks out, doesn't it? It pursues. And if you've fallen out of love, I imagine you've stopped sacrificing in love. And if you start sacrificing in love, you might start feeling love. Because love is more than a feeling, it's an action, it's a movement towards somebody. And John is saying God loves us, and how do we know? Because he pursued us. He chases after us. He comes for us. And he doesn't come for us when we're pretty, right? Or we're cleaned up. Or we got it together. When does he show up? The whole story of Christmas is he comes into the darkness. He comes into the relational brokenness. He comes into the addiction. He comes into the place of pornography, the place of abuse, the place of brokenness and sin and darkness. The light of Jesus is not afraid of your brokenness. It's where he shows up. And he manifests his love in those places that we want to hide and retreat from. And God comes in, he covers, and he embraces us. The love of God pursues. And we see that Again, throughout the New Testament, if you go to Luke chapter 15, Jesus has this entire chapter in Luke 15 in which he's just reminding us over and over with three different stories that God is pursuing you, right? And it starts with a story of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and he loses the one. And because he values the life of that sheep, he goes out and he finds it, doesn't he? And he doesn't only find it, he celebrates. When he finds that one lost sheep, he brings his friends together. Guys, let's have, let's celebrate. And then there's a story of a widow and she has 10 coins. And I guess she's preparing to go to bed and she looks over at the night table and she has nine coins left. And she's wondering where's, where's that 10th coin? And because it's valuable, she lights a lamp and she searches through the house until she finds the coin. And then even though it's late, she wakes up her neighbors. Guys, come over. I found that coin. She celebrates. And then we have that final story of the prodigal, the son who has offended his father in ways that today we wouldn't accept, but certainly in the past, his, his rebellion and his abuse of his father to say, I want, I'd prefer dad if you were dead and I had my inheritance today. And what does he do with it? He goes off and he messes up his life. And many of us would look at that and say, oh, hey, you had a chance, get your life together, right? You blew it. You had the money. Now you've wasted that money. There's nothing else to receive unless you're willing to earn. 
That's not the heart of this father. Instead, he longs for his son to return. He doesn't see his son through his rebellion. He sees his son through his love. Do you hear that? He doesn't see you through your rebellion. He sees you through his love for you. And though you were a long way off, what does the father do? In verse 20, do you notice it? That word hit me this week, he has compassion. He has compassion on someone who has ruined his life, who has rebelled, who has cursed God. He has compassion on us, even when we're in that place of rebellion. He has compassion. And that son is coming to him. What does he do? He doesn't wait for his son to get there. He says, no, I'm going to run to him. I'm going to throw my robe around him. I'm going to embrace him. And in the stink of where he was in that pigsty, I'm going to kiss him. That is the love of God that pursues us and chases us and comes after us and does not give up on us. Do you believe it? The love of God pursues us. Ezekiel 34, verse 16, I love this image. It says, I will seek the lost and I will bring back those who have strayed. For those who have wandered off, God isn't, he isn't, his eyes haven't closed. Now, sometimes God gives us over to what we pursue. I don't know if you've noticed that in, in scripture that God will often say, okay, if that's what you want, like a good parent in a sense, hey, I'm gonna, give you over to that, but realize that doesn't mean that I'm not still coming for you. And though you've strayed, I'm longing for you to return. God's love pursues. And then his love doesn't just pursue, it sacrifices for us. It doesn't give up on us. And the love of God, the greater the sacrifice you could imagine, the greater the love. The deeper the sacrifice, the deeper the love. And God gave his best. That's why you see that word only. My only son. You may think of Abraham and Isaac, right? My son, my only son. God sacrificed what was precious to him. There's a story again I read this week about a guy named James Harrison. He was called, he's an Australian man, and he's called the man with the golden arm. And here's the reason why, because James Harrison has donated blood 1,200 times, and his blood has literally saved millions of women and their babies in utero. And I don't know anything about medical stuff, so if this is wrong in any way, just forgive me, but I hope it's true. I think it's true. I looked it up. It's true. <laughs> it is, because I, I read these stuff. I don't like pastor stories. I, I think they're nuts, unless they're true. Anyway, sorry. But evidently, I, I, there's a condition where the mother's blood and the baby's blood is incompatible. And he has antibodies in his blood that actually can save the mother and the child. And because of that, he's given, he's given over and over again. And there was a, uh, actually a recent interview with him. You can throw that quote up in that picture. In, there's a recent interview in CNN and they were saying to him, you know, you're a hero. You've saved millions and millions of lives. And this is how he responded to that statement. He said, some people say you're a hero, but I'm in a safe room donating blood. They give me a cup of coffee and something to nibble on. Then I just go away. No problems, no hardships. 
saying no sacrifice. No sacrifice. But what if, what if James knew that to bring life to these women and their children, millions of people, he realized that to do that, it would cost his life. We'd say the deeper the sacrifice, the deeper the love. Our salvation comes through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, God's son. While we were in rebellion, while we're running from God, right? While we're a mess. And even when we come back, we still were a mess at times, right? And yet what does he do? He comforts us with his love. And when we make a mess of our life, he doesn't say, look at it, right? If you had a person in your life, like, look at the mess you've made. Come on. Get it together. You know what he says? Instead of saying, look at the mess, he said, look at me. Have you ever had to do that with your child? Because they're wrapped in shame and fear and you, hey, son, just look at me. I love you. Now we're going to deal with the mess, right? We're not ignoring the mess, but look at me. And that's the father's invitation to us is to look at him, his love. It sacrifices for us. Verse 10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as the ESV says, propitiation, atoning sacrifice for our sins. The image of propitiation or atonement is to cover. That Jesus sacrificed his blood, it covers my sin. So when the Father sees me, he sees Jesus. My life is hidden with Christ in God. So when the Father approaches me, he gives to me what he would give to his Son. And that's why we can come boldly to him, because we are hidden in the loveliness and in the love the Father has for Jesus. That's how he loves us. And his love endures. His love endures. You know, I, I was thinking this week, why is it so hard for me to translate the theology to experience? I know God loves me, but I have a hard time experiencing it. And I think it's because of the way I see myself and I see the world around me. I look at the world and I think, you can't love this. <laughs> you, can't, you can't love this. What we do to each other. How we hurt each other. And even in the church, there's a lot of hurt in churches and the way that churches engage. God, how can you, I struggle with that. How can you love us? And we see that in the world. We see that in ourselves. There's people we refuse to love, right? I, I mean, come on. I think we can be honest today. I know God says I'm supposed to, but no, I'm not doing that. And so we know there's limits to our love. And I think all of us grew up with human parents, and human parents are imperfect. And some of you grew up, I've heard your stories, amazingly loving homes. But when parents are imperfect, children try to make up for the imperfections through performance. And, and my dad loves me, but does he love me because I'm lovely? Because I have good grades? Because I'm the best on the team? And there's that fear in every child's heart, even in the healthiest of homes, what if they stop loving me? What if that love is no longer there? And for some of you, you get that because that's not your home. Your home wasn't security of love. Your home was you're going to earn this love. You saw how your sister was loved and you longed to be loved in the same way, but you were not enough. 
you were not good enough. Your brother was cared for. You were not. You felt like you were outcast. Love was something to chase after. And then maybe you got into a church that said, yeah, you got to earn God's love as well. And the burden of love begins to mount up. And for some of you, you weren't in a home that loved you or had to earn love. There was an absence of love. And where love was, there was abuse and hatred and rejection. And all of that, doesn't it stir in us and say, how, what does love mean? How can I receive it? And then there's our broken self. There's, there's our sinful nature and I would say our false self that tries to pretend we're lovely. It hides our fears, doesn't it? It hides our hurts and it, and it performs in a way and it shows up in the way and we're so used to doing this that we're showing up in life and even in Sunday morning, hey, things are great, man. And because we want to be loved and we're so dependent on others that we perform and instead of being present, we, we think we need to earn or this is the way I need to show up for you so that I can get from you what I need and we live that way. Don't we live that way? I think all of that begins to circulate in us doubting that love is real and then we look out at a culture that preaches love, doesn't it? I mean, our culture just love we got to love each other and we've got all these ways of doing it but you can only really be loved in our culture if you're in the right box and that box in the 80s is different from the 90s it's different from today it's constantly it's constantly moving all of that I think leads to this place of the insecurity of love I understand why we don't feel loved but that's where John answers that deep question in the human heart, why does God love us? And he says again in verse 10, this is love, not, not that we love God. Jason, it's not dependent on you. It's not about you. Fill in the blank there. This is love, not that I live a forgiving life. Not that I do all the spiritual disciplines and give in the right way. Not that I have my life together. Not that I've overcome the addiction. Not that my relationships are right. None of that to God matters. He loves you despite the fact of where you are. In spite of the fact or in the reality of where you are, he pursues you and he chases after you. I think that needs to be our life verse. Not that we love God. We're the church that didn't love God. That should be our new, we're going to do that, right? I just came to that. That's our new motto, right? How many people need to hear that? Not that I love God. I didn't get it right. But he loved us. The enduring power of God's love is it dwells in him. It's the nature of who he is. He cannot be but who he is. And his love, it endures. It chases after us. And through the power of the spirit, it can melt us. Romans 8.39 says, Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. Love never ends. Now, this story I read over the last few weeks was out of this, I don't know if it's an article or a book, it's called The Whisper Test. Have you ever heard that story by a woman named uh, Mary Ann Bird. And it's her own story. And I want to read that for you. It's a little long, but it's worth the punchline. When I grew up, I knew I was different. And I hated it. I was born with a cleft 
palate. And when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I must look to others, a little girl with a misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, garbled speech. When my schoolmates would ask, what happened to your lip? I'd tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident, accident than to be born different. I was convinced that no one outside of my family could love me. Then I entered Miss Leonard's second grade class. Miss Leonard was round, pretty, fragrant, with shining brown hair, warm, dark, smiling eyes. Everyone adored her. No one came to love her more than I did. The time came for the annual hearing test given in our school, and I could barely hear out of one ear and was not about to reveal something else that would single me out as different, so I cheated. The whisper test required each child to go into the classroom door, turn sideways, close one ear with a finger while the teacher whispered something from her desk, which the child repeated. And then the same for the other ear. Nobody checked how tightly the untested ear was covered, so merely, I merely pretended to block mine. And as usual, I was last. But all through the testing, I wondered what Miss Leonard might say to me. I knew from previous years, the teacher whispered things like, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? My time came, and I turned my bad ear towards her, plugging up the other just enough to be able to hear, and I waited. And then came the words that God had purely, surely put into her mouth, seven words that changed my life forever. Miss Leonard, the teacher I adored, softly said, I wish you were my little girl. And yet the Father says those words to us, I am glad you are my child. I am glad you are my son. Can we receive that? Can we begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us? Can I make a few suggestions as to how we might get there? Stop running. Number one. Stop running. The hurt of the world causes us to run. I know for myself, I run to media. I love Netflix. I said it. I'm an addict, right? I love, I love to lose myself in a story. It doesn't even have to be good sometimes because I don't want to feel. I don't want to be present. I, I, I want to escape. I'm like the prodigal son. Now, I have the love of God, but I don't rely on the love of God. I, I find something else in life that's maybe because I'm afraid to receive it. And so let me say, stop running. What can you shut off in 2024? My commitment in 2024, and please check me on this, guys, because it's hard. Uh, it, not today. I'm going to watch TV today, okay? <laughs> Tomorrow it begins, all right? No media in the first month. That's harder for me than food. Because I know what's going to happen is when that 
impulse comes into my life and I, you know, I wanna, I wanna turn that on. I wanna go to YouTube and watch some stupid video just to lose my mind. That's the moment I need to stop and I need to receive the love of God. And I need to ask the question, God, what's going on in me that you need, you need to meet in my life? Where do you need to stop running? Some of you need to just receive Christ for the first time. You need to just admit, Lord, I know I'm a sinner in need of grace and forgiveness and I wanna surrender my life to you and I wanna experience and know the love through faith in what Christ has done. Some of us simply need to stop running and to run to the cross. And for others, what can you turn off? Can you reflect on that as, as we close today? Can you reflect on what you need to shut down and turn off so that in 2024, you can start asking this question? So what do you need to shut off? But you know that hurt people hurt people and loved people love people. You need to deal with your hurts. If we don't learn what it means to take your hurt to God, how can he apply his love? But we keep running. We keep pushing away. And you need, you need, let me say this, you need people around you who can walk with you in that. That's scary. Certainly if you've grown up in a family or if you experienced a lot of rejection in life, it's frightening, isn't it? To, to expose the inner nakedness and this is where I hurt. Because hurt people hurt people, but when love comes in, it heals the woundedness, it heals our shame, it covers our guilt. And now you have a gift to give to others and you invite people, it's called community into your life and you're honest about where you are and love people begin to love people. And what he says in verses 11 and 12 is love gets completed when we love others. It completes the cycle of God's love that God manifested his love by pursuing and sacrificing and enduring for us, why? so that I might know that I'm loved, but I might share that love with others in the world. As you take that first step of what do I need to stop? Could you take the second step of how could I love differently? And in that place of quietness where you're not going to Netflix or wherever it is you go, could you just sit with the Father? Who am I having a hard time loving? And for some of you, can I be honest, it's you. For some of you, it's you. You can't love others. What does Jesus say? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you cannot learn to be forgiving and gracious and patient towards yourself, you're not gonna have that well to love others. You will love others the same way you love yourself. And some of you today need to receive that God loves you. He has poured out his love into your life. And even though you accepted Christ a long time ago, he's still coming after you. And that love is just as real today as it was 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. What would it look like in 2024 for you to love as God loves? Would you take this next month and just simply walk in that reality and truth? And if you need to talk to me, you know what? I'm available for whatever help I can give. And our leaders are available. You don't do this alone. If you know there's something that has to change, would you be willing and courageous enough to say, I need help? I think that's the hardest thing for some of us to say is I need you. But you're created for 
love you're created for community, would you have the boldness and the courage and with the spirit of God move you to a place that this is it. I'm tired of running. I want to change. Please stand with it. Actually, don't stand. We're going to celebrate communion. See, I don't even know. Where am I? I need some love up here. If you didn't grab the communion elements when you came in, I'd want to encourage you to do that. Um, They're available up front. They're also... available in the back and as we hold these elements I want to spend some time just reflecting on what, where do I need to stop running and so that I can invite the fullness of God's love in this new year ourselves as you see us. The night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took took bread and he broke it and gave thanks and he said, take and eat for this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. same way after supper he took a cup said this cup it represents the new covenant that is now established in my blood as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup we proclaim the Lord's death until he returns please stand with me invite our prayer team to come forward guys would you please come on up and again I want to challenge you if you know you need to be prayed for this morning you know there's something in your life that needs a change would you have the courage whether through this service or after to come to come forward and receive it